We do uh, profile slots, and I've got two people to talk to today. And first is Paul Glennie. So, why don't you come forward, Paul? Yes. Big spontaneous round of applause. Good, very important question. Some people know the answer, some people are new and don't. How did you first become a Christian? Oh, um, by going along to um, a sort of sports club. Um, I was interested in football, cricket, all sports and girls, but girls second at that time. Um, And I met a bunch of people that turned out to be Christians. I was a Catholic, but I don't think I was really a Christian because I didn't really know much. And um, what really surprised me was these people just seemed so different. They just, nobody told me there was a difference. I just knew it. I just sensed it. And and then they talked about having a personal relationship with God, which I didn't know you could have. Um, How would you know if someone tells you? Uh, But they, they examples, they seem to know God, not just on Sundays like me when I went to church, but they seem to know him on Monday mornings and Thursday afternoons. How does that work? Anyway, it impacted me. And when I was, the day I left school, I walked around and said, I'm independent now, uh, and I want to become a Christian. And the church leader that I went to said, you left it long enough, didn't you? Come in. And that was it. And I I knelt down, asked Jesus into my life. And, you know, life's been brilliant since then. Great. That's really good. Uh, Knowing you over the years, you seem to have a, a real desire to share faith with other people. Why is that so important? What? What motivates you to do that? Okay. Um, I think uh, there's two things um, in answer to that question. um, I often say to Ricky, and she'll back me up on this, that that on my tombstone, if I ever get one, I'm not really bothered if I get one or not, but if I do, I want one word put on it, and that's grateful. I'm I'm grateful to God. God's been brilliant to me, and um, I've had a really good life. Um, and, And so... When you've received a lot, you just feel you've just got to give something away, don't you? You know, you, you know I want other people to have what I had. You know, I don't know, um, just answers to questions, a reason for living, and all of that. So um, I think one of, the, one of the things I've got is that in my heart is that I'm grateful to God and I want other people to have that. People have such difficult lives, don't they? You know, don't you think? People you know, such difficult lives, and they don't know where to go with it. But we do. I want them to have that. And the other, word, the other thing is that we often talk about people being saved, but I t- kind of like to use the word safe. And, and in my opinion, no one's safe unless they know Jesus, because this life, this life is nothing. It's a breath of air on a cold day. It appears and it's gone. But eternity is going to go on forever and ever and ever. And are we safe? Are we going to be there? Are we going to enjoy all that God has got prepared for us, which we can't even imagine, so it's going to be pretty good. Um, are we going to be there with God? Are we safe? And that's what's in my heart. I want people to be safe, to have answers to questions that they have in this life, and to be confident that when, when this death thing happens, we've all got to go through it, let's face it. You've got to go through it on your own. No one can do it for you. But actually... You kind of, in my view anyway, you kind of go through one door, it closes, but then another door opens and you're in another world. You're in the eternal world of the kingdom of God in all its glory. So people to be safe. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much, Paul. Now, when we had Clive up, and one of the things we like to do in Profile Slot is ask about people's work. Uh, what was your profession? Um, I was a fire officer for 30 years. 
Okay, a couple of questions about that. Did you have opportunities to share your faith at work or didn't you really have opportunities at work? Yeah, I, I did have opportunities. Would you like me to give an example? Yeah, give an example. I, I'll give you quick, two quick things. One is, when it's, this is not the nice end of it. When I was newly in the job, one day about 11 o'clock we were having our doorstep cheese sandwiches and cup of tea and we were sitting in the TV room in Lambeth Fire Station. I was a fairly new firefighter in those days. On the TV was one of those... This is not a very pleasant story, by the way. Uh, it was one of those TV shows that profiles young children with talent. So we were kind of watching this. And um, in the room were some unpleasant people, colleagues working with them, but unpleasant. And they were looking at, there was a, a young girl came on. She could only have been about 10 or something, singing a song or something like that. And then he started to make really lewd and horrible comments about this girl. Um, and it just disgusted me absolutely disgusted me and um, I couldn't hold it in something in me just kind of welled up and I said um, if that was your daughter on the TV would you want to hear people like you saying things like that about your daughter and I said to him you disgust me and I stormed out of the room and I went into the office across the aisle and sitting down there sort of cooling off think what happened there and a friend of mine walked in um, and he said to me, oh, PJ, he said, you really shouldn't let them wind you up. And I, I said to him, you know what, Larry, uh, the day that something like that doesn't wind you up, you might as well be dead. And what's more, it ought to wind you up as well. So that was one thing. And somehow or other that put a barrier between me and people. They kind of knew where I was coming from. Um, and I think it's important that people know where you stand on things. There's a time to be angry and there's a time to be nice. Um, very quickly, sorry, am I yeah, all right? Okay. Um, there have been numerous occasions where, have you ever felt in your work or in your situation where God has come along to you and he's moved you out of the way of impending doom? Uh, well, I can think of a couple of occasions like that in my career and I'm so grateful to God that he moved me out of the way because I think I would have got steamrolled. So just one, it's not perhaps the best example, but it's an example. So I went to a fire. Uh, sorry, no. Check out there. Us officers used to have to camp out in Shoreditch Fire Station. Up in the rooms, we had a little room each, and we used to camp out on camp beds. And, and then we were paged if we were needed at night. So about, and so you know Shoreditch and Old Street's around the corner. So um, about, I guess it was about half five in the morning, I heard a pager in the next room going. And I was thinking, aha, he's going, but I'm not. So I sort of turned over, snoozing. Um, and then a moment later, my pager went off. And it turned out that we were going round the corner to a building that was well alight, as we say. All the roof was alight. Now, in those days, I wasn't a very experienced officer. Um, I had potential, but I didn't have much experience. And um, uh, anyway, so I got there. My friend had been there. The first officer there is the officer in charge. So they have to make all the decisions, and they have to stand by the decisions they make. I was the second officer, so I got given a job. And one of the jobs was to check this fire that was running down the roof of this building. It was going towards the high street, towards Old Street. And I'm thinking, it's never going to stop. It's going to take the next roof and the next roof. And I'm thinking, oh, this is really scary. What do we do? And I think, well, you know, I was thinking of things to do. Anyway, to cut a long story short, um, uh, that, that fire eventually got put out. It was arson. Um, some people had put multiple seats of fire in the ground floor and the whole building was well alight and it was very difficult to put out, it took hours. 
But I didn't have to make any kind of crucial decisions. However, the point is, had I been the first officer in charge, I would have had to make decisions. And to be honest with you, I don't know what I would have done. I think I might have made some right decisions. I think I might have made some wrong decisions. By being the second officer, I had the ability to learn from that experience and take that into the next job we had. But I was eternally grateful that I wasn't uh, the person making the decisions. Now, this, the funny thing is that you, as an officer, you always get called to be in charge of fires on your ground. Who was the station commander at that ground? Me. So why did they page the guy in the next room? He, he came from Holloway. That was, Old Street wasn't his area at all. It was my area. And yet they paged him and sent him to be the officer in charge of this fire instead of me. And when I looked back on it, I thought, you know what? I could have got in a lot of strife there. But actually, God sort of just moved me out of the way and sent somebody else. Now, you might have another opinion about that, but that's my opinion. And I thank God for that because I learned from it. There must have been other difficult times. We haven't got time to look at them now. I know Paul was involved in the Lackanor fire in Camberwell, so that was all over the news. Uh, you retired. They retired early. They don't let you be a firefighter forever. Have you had opportunities to share your faith since you left the fire service? Yeah, and I just want to say this, that I'm not trying to set myself up, and I'm just me doing my thing as, you know, as far as I learn from God. But... Um, Sharing your faith with other people isn't something you go out to do, in my opinion. Isn't something you go out to do. It's a lifestyle. It's who you are. You know, that it's, you don't say, I'm going to go and do evangelism today. I'm going to go and speak to that person. It's just who you are, whatever happens, whatever comes your way. So just an example of that is, we had, in our bathroom at home, we've had a leak from our shower for ages. I booked up a plumber to come yesterday, and he, went, and he came, and he spent the day... Um, taking the shower apart as best he could and at about three in the afternoon it, we'd finished and we had a, a cup of tea to finish off with sitting down at the table yesterday afternoon um, somehow or other he said something I said something and we ended up talking about Jesus about the life of Jesus about the death of Jesus and get this about Jesus resurrection from the dead and that's something, if we talk about Jesus, not many of us talk about the resurrection because it's so contentious, isn't it? But actually, it's so pivotal, so important. So we talked about the resurrection from the dead as well. And he had his points of view, and I had my point of view, and we had a really good conversation. And eventually, I drove him down to the bus stop. He lives over in North London. I probably won't see him now until the next leak occurs in our house. Um, Tomorrow. <laughs> no, no. Um, uh, but you know what? As he was on the bus, two things in my mind. One was I can just imagine him kind of going over the discussion we had because he's a thoughtful man. And, and he's not a, you know, someone who's brash or that, but he's thoughtful. But he doesn't agree with me. That's okay. We'll start there. Um, and so I could imagine those arguments going, not arguments, discussions going over in, in, in his head. But as the bus went by, I kind of went, okay, Holy Spirit, over to you. I can't do any more. You know, he's gone to North London. I won't see him again. But, you know, the Holy Spirit um, follows people and he puts bits in the jigsaw in place. You know, one link leads to another, leads to another. And eventually, hopefully, and I pray for him, prayer is so important that I just keep praying for him, Lord, make that image of the life that he can have appear and, and help him to want to have it. 
Great. Finally, uh, you run the Alpha course here. What do you like about Alpha? I should be asking you guys, shouldn't I? What do you like about the Alpha course? Um, it changed my life. There you go. <laughs> um, I love the sense of community, meeting new people. Yeah. I mean, they're saying it better than me. Anyone else? What do you... Deb, you've been going. It changed my life as well, and I meant a lot meeting people. Super, thank you. I became a Christian on the Alpha course. Well, they, you know, do, need I say more? That'll do, that'll yeah. do. Thank you, Paul. If Paul and Yvonne haven't got many children today, but if you'd like to go out, that'd be great. Uh, my wife, Yvonne, taught me a phrase years ago. Uh, she asked me to do things around the house, and when I didn't immediately comply, I asked why. And her phrase was, why have a dog and bark yourself? So please go and do it. Um, and I feel, <laughs> with no offence meant to Lucy and uh, Paul, I've said a lot of what I was going to say, uh, and time's going. So we're just going to briefly look at what I prepared. And if I could have a very kind volunteer that knows how to work the PowerPoint, that would be even more awesome. So while, you, while you're around, Sam, make use of yourself. No. Step aside, delegate. Thank you very much. And I'm sure you picked up through Eleanor. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing just like your heart at the end of the worship. That was brilliant. And we picked up from Paul and from Lucy uh, that one of our values is everyone going. And it's our theme today. If you put the next slide up, please, Ben. Uh, and we're, we're saying that everyone should be going. Every part of our lives is part of God's mission. And we're called, we're all called to see the kingdom of Jesus reach through us into the lives of those around us. As a church and as individuals, Jesus is inviting us to be a part of his mission in the world, wherever that might lead. And we want to have that in our hearts and minds, don't we? I was going to talk uh, a lot about the Apostle Paul if you click on a slide and then go to the next one, uh, we're not going to do Acts 26 because there isn't time. I'll just read uh, Romans 15, the passage that Eleanor read at the start, and then pick a few things and then we'll close. This is Paul uh, 10 years into his journey with Jesus. So he's not a brand new Christian. He met Jesus in a dramatic way on the Damascus Road. And he's probably writing to the Romans maybe 10 years later. And near the end of his letter, he says this. I've written to you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. That's everyone that's not Jewish. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God. By what I've said and done, and by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of God. Just a few things to pick up from there. Uh, he talks about because of God's grace. And I didn't feel too, like, intimidated by what Paul and Lucy were sharing. I was in awe of learning two different 
completely different languages and going thousands of miles away. But they just made it sound so natural, didn't they? And it's not a big, intimidating thing. We're weak, we feel inadequate, we don't know what to say, but God wants us to go. And God wants to share us to share good news with others. And he gives us the grace to do it. He's not kind of cracking a whip. He's not kicking us out the door. But he's just encouraging us. And if we're prepared to get alongside people, if we're looking for opportunities, if we're willing to share our lives, if we're ready to engage in conversation, by God's grace, we can communicate something good about Jesus And Paul talked about proclaiming the gospel, and he was someone that was a preacher and an apologist. uh, And we're not going to probably function in that kind of way, but we are there to share the gospel message. And and Lucy said, I didn't even know what it was. And I think the good news that God has for us is multifaceted. It's like a beautiful diamond. And we need to think of ways of communicating something about the goodness and love and life of Jesus into our world. And there's there's ways of doing that. You can read books about different aspects of the gospel and the gospel message. But I think the gospel is fundamentally relational. And the Bible says that humankind was together with God in a beautiful garden at the beginning. And the design of God is for humankind and him to be together in perfect harmony and perfect fellowship. And then the Bible says the reality is that's broken apart. And there's a fundamental discord because our relationship with God has been broken. And people have turned their backs on God. And that leads to all sorts of problems. And I think you probably feel the effects of that disconnect with God and that disconnect between each other. You feel it. Uh, You feel it in our politics How kind of disconnected and unhealthy uh, is that, particularly at the moment? We feel it on our streets. It's not safe. Things are wrong. There's a disconnect. It shouldn't be the way it is. A couple of weeks ago, we wanted to to go and pray uh, here for good. Uh, We have a prayer time there on Sunday nights. And uh, I went along, and the whole road was cordoned off. So couldn't get there. Uh, Cancelled the meeting. The reason it was cordoned off is someone just died at quarters four in the afternoon on a sunny Sunday afternoon two or three weeks ago. Uh, And just a a terrible loss of life. I was at the police cordon and uh, talking to to folk. The word on the street uh, was that uh, there were some young uh, men in a car and this young man, about 23, 24, had come with a shotgun after them uh, and they got away. And I've heard two stories of why that man died. One is, and it's really kind of tragic, it's a terrible waste of life, that when they ran away, he decided to smash their car with his shotgun. So he hit it with a shotgun. It went off and he killed himself by accident. Uh, And the other story on the streets was he'd fired at them and a bullet had bounced back and hit him and he killed himself by accident. But such disconnect, such a waste of life, happening just down the road. Things are are wrong. There's a discord in our world. We feel it on our streets. We feel it in our politics. Uh, Some of us see it in our pay packets. Pete uh, Alexian is famous for his comedy nights. Uh, We had a comedian uh, here for good a couple of years ago, 
Uh, and uh, he came out with this line. He said, my brother has had a sex change operation. His salary has been reduced by 30%. <laughs> There's a disconnect, isn't there, in fairness between men and women. We see it in universal credit, people turning up in food bank with no money for five weeks, probably longer. There's a disconnect in relationships. And relationships now, it seems to be much more temporary. It's not that till death us do part. It's not that for life. Even seemingly strong relationships seem to be breaking down. It's temporary. There's that disconnect. And it's a fundamental problem. And it roots into the breakdown between humankind's relationship with God. But the good news is that God didn't stay away. He came in the person of Jesus to restore that relationship, to bring healing, to bring forgiveness for our part in the problem so that we can know God as a loving father. There's connecting with the reality of our experience and there's bringing in an aspect of the gospel to show there's good news, there's hope. God's done something about it. It's worth knowing him. And we can play a part in that. And in the words of Coldplay, Am I part of the cure or am I part of the disease? And by the grace of God, like Paul, we can be part of the cure. And it says he fully preached the gospel or he fully communicated the gospel uh, in three little phrases. By what he said, by what he did, and by the power of signs and wonders. I want to finish there. And say it's, and I take the third one to, to imply praying for people and expecting God to do amazing things in their lives. So if you put the last uh, slide up, thank you. So if we're going to share, if we're going to be part of what God's doing, if we're going to share our lives with others, if we're going to make the good news of Jesus real to people, it's about what we say, it's about what we do, and it's about the fact that we pray. And I'll just land here. And we all fail, don't we? Uh, and with saying, one of the big failures is just to be silent. Lots of people like quoting a few years ago, St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel all times and when necessary use words. But that's, there's a real truth in that. But it's also been a recipe for never using words and people saying nothing. And we miss opportunities, and I do. You just think, I could have said something. I could have uh, just made a positive comment. I could have challenged something that was wrong. And I just didn't. I didn't share what Jesus would say. So there's a, in saying, there's a failure to say. And then, of course, there's saying the wrong thing. And uh, uh, years ago, and some of you know this, I did the classic one. And uh, I was trying to uh, meet a new couple, and uh, the wife was interested in Christianity. I didn't know her partner at the time. They moved house and moved in with another couple sharing a big flat. And I went around to see them, and the people I knew were out. And uh, the wife invited me in and said, uh, they've just gone down the road. You can come in, and I'll make you a cup of tea. Now, this woman, I'd never met her before. She was in pregnancy dungarees. And she was bursting at the seams. The buttons were nearly popping off the pregnancy dungarees. So to, to break the ice and to make conversation, I delivered the classic phrase, when's it due? And the answer was that he was nine months old and asleep in the other room. 
And the people I was trying to reach out, it was a long half an hour before they <laughs> returned. I did get a cup of tea, but it was kind of shoved at me, and it wasn't the best atmosphere. So there is a problem of saying the wrong thing. And I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, there's a guy called Neil at Food Bank. And it's great to meet the volunteers and get to know some of them. A lot of them don't know Jesus. And getting to know him, uh, he told me about a heartache in his life. He's, he's long divorced and separated from his wife, but they were in Glasgow. They'd had a baby, and they had a Catholic background. And the baby was born severely disabled, and at six weeks old, the baby died. So the priest thought, I'll come round and comfort the family. And this is Neil telling me the story 25 years later. He opened the door to the priest, and the priest said, God moves in mysterious ways. He only takes the best. Um, Neil managed to shut the door before he punched the priest. But you can say the wrong things, can't you? So it's important what we say. We can fail to say anything when we should say things. We can say the wrong things. But we can say the right things as well. I was thinking... And it's, it's about sharing life. It's not about learning a kind of gospel presentation. It's about sharing life. And it's not a formula. And I just was thinking of a few people I met. And there's a, a woman that I know. She was kind of a friend of a friend. And she seemed to be interested in faith. And we were kind of talking. And it, it wasn't really connecting. And I just felt a little voice in my head saying, ask her about her father. I don't get that a lot. But just her dad kind of popped into my mind. So I said, I don't know anything about your dad. This is a woman in her 30s. Um, yeah, tell me about your dad. And the story that came out is her dad had died suddenly when she was 11, leaving her mum uh, with her and four other siblings. And that had had a huge impact on her life. She'd kind of gone off the rails. Her mum couldn't keep uh, uh, track on her. She started having sex at the age of 12, then she got together with a heroin addict, and she got married to him. They had two kids, and now he is in prison. And just that little question, tell us about your dad, opened up all that stuff in her life. Not to, to find out out of kind of interest and gossip, but so that God could get involved in that stuff and bring healing and help her come to know God. And I was thinking of a, a student weekend away and prayed for a, a student uh, at the end of it, and her presenting thing was fear and anxiety. Uh, and then the first kind of onion layer that came out, this was all within about 20 minutes, was that she'd been prayed for by these weird Christians that kind of shouted at her and tried to get demons out of her. And that had made her fear and anxiety much worse. But then it kind of tracked back deeper into her life. Uh, she remembers her granddad had died, and uh, no one really talked about him anymore. She wasn't allowed to come to the funeral. It was like swept under the carpet. And she was part of a family that hid things rather than expose you to them in the right kind of way. And they tracked right back to the fact that she'd been a twin and her twin had died at birth. And no one had told her until she was about 11 or 12. And just asking a few questions and all this kind of stuff came out. And it's so God can get involved in her life and bring healing. So what we say is really important. It could be just a simple thing. 
could be just a simple question. Something that, that's full of the life and blessing and care and love of Jesus is so important. So what we say is what we do. And again, uh, I fail to do things quite often. Uh, how many times have I said, sorry, I haven't got time to help you with that? Uh, my time's precious. Failure to do is a real problem. But when we do do, we can be a real blessing to people. And it is actions. And they do speak, not necessarily louder than words, but they do speak as well. I remember a woman who uh, told me she needed to get away from her husband. He was being abusive. She had two young kids. And she'd picked a day and she'd hired a van. uh, And would I help her move out to take enough of the, the furniture and clothes for her and her kids? And I thought, I could think of better things to do with my day, but I felt I should. It is about being there. It's about what you do. Uh, She lived in Forest Hill on this road that was a slight slope. But at the end of the road, there was a steep uh, hill. Anyway, we were loading up the van. And uh, I did notice there was, I was trying to get this bookcase on. And there wasn't enough height. And there was a a spare wheel in the back of the van. So I thought it would be a good idea to stand it up against the side of the van in order to get everything in. So we carried on packing uh, the van. And then this man appeared coming down the road with this spare wheel and said, is this yours? Uh, And having kind of stood it up at the side of the van, I hadn't noticed when I went back in the house that it rolled out the back of the van, gone down the road, turned the corner, gone down this hill, hit this man's car, and gone into a low wall in this old lady next door to him and demolished part of her wall. I was so glad that I helped that lady... (laughs) And then, believe it or not, for me, as inept as I am, I went round the next morning and had to rebuild this wall with sand and cement. <laughs> I think I just about got away. The lady was too old to come out and kind of give me commands. I think I did it. But it is important to be there. It is important to do stuff. Uh, uh, there's a friend, I won't point him out today, but uh, he just rang me up and said, what are you doing Tuesday afternoon? And he was going to the family court to fight for custody of his children. And I could think of other things to do Tuesday afternoon, but I was so glad that I could be there and support him. So it's what we say, don't say nothing. Try not to say the wrong thing or apologize when you do. Say some good things. It's what we do. You can't do everything, but you can be there for people. You can do things to support them. And it's how we pray. And again, as a failure to pray, don't pray enough. Paul said it. Uh, And Lucy said it, it's just so important. It's a spiritual thing going on, coming to know Jesus. It's a spiritual thing. Uh, It talks about the blindness that the enemy puts over people's minds. And it's through prayer that that blindness can be taken away. And I remember Myra, a friend of mine, used to come to this church. And she got known in her office as the prayer person. And uh, she didn't set up a kind of mat and roll it out every day. But people knew that she prayed. And she looked at people, and she'd often say to to a colleague, you look down. And the stories came out over the years. One said, I've just been diagnosed with breast cancer. Another said, my boyfriend's just walked out after four years together. Another said, my debts are spiraling and they're out of control. And she said, I'm here, I'm going to pray for you. And God really worked in their lives. So it's what we say, it's what we do. It's what we pray, and it's a real privilege to be part of the work of Jesus.
And it's a teamwork. You know, you might do a little bit. I might not be the person that actually prays and helps a person get God into their lives, but I might be someone on, on the way that can just nudge them one step in the right direction. It's teamwork. And it's also out of the overflow. I think you mentioned this, Eleanor. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If there's a life of God going on in me, if I'm worshipping, if I'm encouraged, if I'm fellowshipping, then some of that overflow will spill out and bless other people. And if I shut all that stuff down, I won't have much to say. But by God's grace, whether it's here in London, for most of us it will be, or whether we get sent somewhere else in the world, it's really good to be going, getting going, everyone going, everyone on the move, everyone bringing Jesus into all of their lives and being a blessing to other people in the process. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for what we've heard this morning. We thank you for Paul. Thank you for Lucy. And Lord, we pray you'll help us to get a sense that we can be on the move in your great mission. We can go into all the worlds and just bring some good news to people. Lord, help us to do and to say and to pray the things you want us to, to bring your goodness to other people. Thank you, Lord. Amen.